I mean, there's so many people I know over the years that have really suffered from their mental health working in the nighttime industry. Because one, you've got long unsociable hours. Um, so if you've already, if, we, if you start working in the nighttime industry and you have an existing set of friends that don't, you can become a bit isolated from them. So actually having a, a social life can be difficult. Hi folks, thanks for listening to our Brothers in Arms podcast. The reason we do the podcast is to normalise the conversation around men's mental health. We have fantastic resources on our website, brothersinarmsscotland.co.uk, which you can access or point any man in need towards. These include our online platform, MenGage, our Brothers in Arms Thrive app, where you can access our free therapy services and much, much more. If what we've talked about on the podcast today has resonated with you and you've enjoyed listening, please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And remember to share with friends and on social media. Thanks for listening. Hi folks, welcome to the latest episode of the Brothers in Arms podcast. Um, joined in the studio by Paul Crawford today, um, just he and I. And uh, Paul, as some of you will already know, was involved in Glasgow's nighttime industries for a long time and is currently running Panther Milk, uh, which he'll tell us much more about as we go through the podcast. But uh, yeah, Paul, welcome. Thanks for coming down to chat to us. Thanks for having us, Gary. Yeah, no bother. No bother. All good. Yeah. So I, yeah, just before we came on, I was kind of talking to you about my ambition to have a conversation on the podcast around, you know, the nighttime industries, Obviously, we're thinking more about Glasgow and, you know, we've all got friends, pals, you certainly more than I do, um, who've worked in the nighttime industries, uh, whether it be bars, restaurants, clubs, cafes, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, the, the conversation around how you get through that, how you ride the wave of that and, and where that sometimes takes your mental health yeah. uh, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a really important topic to to talk about actually, Gary, because I mean, there's so many people I know over the years that have really suffered from their mental health working in the nighttime industry. Because one, you've got long unsociable hours. Um, so if you've already, if, we, if you start working in the nighttime industry and you have an existing set of friends that don't, you can become a bit isolated from them. So actually having a, a social life can be difficult. Um, it can work the other way. So you, if you don't have a big circle of friends, um, you know, then the nighttime industry can provide that for you. Yeah. So I think like everything in life, it's finding a balance um, when you're in that industry uh, because it's easy to go down the route of too many late nights, staying up all night, um, you know, drinking too much, mm -hmm. doing other stuff too yeah. much. And yeah. obviously there's only a... a, a an amount of time that you can do that for before it really does begin yeah. to affect yeah. not, not just your mental health but physical health as well mm -hmm. so i think it is it's important um it's an important topic to discuss and i think um you know just my own experience in it was always just finding the balance you know yeah i love this i, lo I love that you say balance because it takes me literally takes me right back to the arches and um I, I, we don't name people in the podcast, but they will recognize people recognize themselves within the podcast. Uh, but I used to have a pal of mine who 
was like, you've always got the balance, Goldie. You've always got the balance, <laughs> don't you, man? You've always got the balance. It was always balance. Um, and, and what he meant was that I could go out at the weekend and we've all, we've all, we've all grown up in Glasgow. We know what's involved in partying. We know what's involved in staying up, staying up late nights, all that sort of stuff. But I was, was either, you know, getting qualified and being early qualified as a personal trainer. So there was a kind of, there was mm. absolutely a balance I had yeah. to strike there of enjoying myself as a young guy in his early twenties and also being able to turn up to my work and actually do a reasonable job, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just, as I say, I always remember this person would always be <laughs> up saying, you've got the balance, Goldie, you've got the balance, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have the balance. <laughs> and, you know, I think he still enjoys a four day party now, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, and again, to give Paul a wee mention, um, Paul Shields, who contributes to the podcast and produces the podcast, um, when I did some therapy sessions with Paul and I thought about abstaining entirely from alcohol um, and I talked about that in the past on the podcast and I always come back to what Paul said to me is like, if you have a balance, you can have it all. Yeah. You can do it all. Yeah, absolutely. Just it's where we're so obsessed about going too far down one path. Yeah. You know, yeah. it can be drinking, it can be drugs, it can be, you know, I, I, I as the personal trainer don't want to see people just swapping one addiction for another. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. well, I never go out. I never see those pals that I used to anymore. I just go to the gym six, seven days a week. Yeah. And then I go to my bed at nine o'clock and I wake up and do the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Having the balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I guess I took that. Um, my, my dad just, they always say to me, Paul, see if you're going to do anything, just do it in moderation, you know? And yeah. I mean, not that I follow that advice all the time, but I think... Um, you know, that, that kind of idea that you, you know, you know, when the fun stops, you know, and you, you have responsibilities like your work, you, you said there about, you know, you knew you were doing your personal training course. So you, that kept, that, that gives you a certain amount of discipline as well in your life. And I think Absolutely. that's important that, you know, um, if you've got a job, if you've got work and you're doing at university, whatever it is you're doing, you need to be applied to that and you need to make sure you're, your partying or your nighttime industry work doesn't impact on your other, you yeah. know, your kind of longer term plans. And that, uh, I think when the warning signs are, when you start missing shifts or when you start uh, missing work or university and these kind of things, then you probably yeah. need to take a wee step yeah. back and have a look at yourself, you know? I, it's, it's really interesting you say, Paul, because a, a, a conversation I had recently with a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, who's actually just started listening to a lot of the podcasts. He, I, I agree and I'm on board with exactly what you say. Um, my leisure time and how I choose to spend that doesn't at the moment I feel impact negatively on my children. I'm not going to say it never has any negative effect on my relationship with my wife who I'm sure any man can tell you whose <laughs> wife will sometimes say, aye, you should have been to bed a bit earlier or you yeah. should have done this or that. But largely, you know, we've been together for, uh, you know, a long time now, way over 10 years, you know, yeah. married for six years, going on seven, uh, all the good stuff. But it, it's not had that and it's not affected my work. Yeah. And so if I choose to have a drink or, you know, go and have a night out with my pals, I don't see that as having a negative knock-on effect to my life. So I don't perceive it as a problem. Yeah. 
But this friend of mine recently was saying, you know, we were sitting after we'd had the kids out for a day, uh, out for the day, and then we were sitting having a few drinks. The kids had been playing and starting to get a bit sleepy, yeah. probably about ready for bed. And he's like, this is really wrong that we are doing this. Right. That we are that we are sitting here drinking in the presence of our children. And I'm like, that might be where you're at with yeah. it at the moment. But yeah. I just don't, I don't see it. So there's some sort of nuance in there where mm. he's, but he is a man of extremes. He is the guy who... He'll quit for six months yeah. and he will then just, you know, there's no drink, no nothing passes yeah. his mouth yeah. um, and he'll just smash the gym, whatever, for six. And then he goes the other the way. Other way. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. more so that he's in a phase of being the other way yeah. and I want him to try and help him find more of a sort of equilibrium where he yeah. can do a bit of both rather than feeling that. that swinging from one bit to the other. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's a cultural thing, isn't it? I mean... You look, you know, when you're when you're abroad, anywhere, Greece, Spain, Italy, you know, people are sitting in the square having drinks with their children all running about. Yeah, I think the the difference is in this country, people do it to extremes. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, that there's been this separation from, you know, bar and family. Uh -huh. You know, so it was very west of Scotland. The men went at the bar. Uh -huh. The women stayed at home with the kids, and yeah. neither the twain shall meet. You know, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. ridiculous. You know that uh -huh. that culture is changing yeah. and rightly changing, and I think now people are a bit more relaxed about it because if you're sitting having a couple of glasses of wine and your kids are there, what is the harm in that? Yeah. If you're sitting there getting smashed and your children are there. There's yeah. something to be we're said about that. Going to a um, different realm. Aye, but yeah. that that um, that just sitting leisurely having. I think it's good for children actually to see. I think it's how to, your, to, your, to your relationship with alcohol that doesn't need to be you know separated. It doesn't or, yeah, need to absolutely. be mysterious and and you know if you, if you're sitting there having food and drink, then that that's a good introduction. I, you know. I think you, you. I think you're well along the right lines because throughout this podcast we've had this sort of. Um, spectrum of people and I think the youngest we've got to is like 12, 11, 12 when people started drinking because it was like such a kind of hidden away thing so mm. it made you as a young person want to like yeah. experiment and go and hide behind we would hide up the woods yeah. and we would half a half a litre we would have a litre of cider between yeah. the two of us yeah. and we'd be yeah. prancing about you know yeah. Yeah. at a very young age Um, but uh yeah, I, I I totally agree and subscribe to that, that if if it's normalized and that night we were sitting up and he was saying, oh, this is, the, but you know, I was back up at nine in the morning. It wasn't the freshest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I was up at nine in the morning. Kids were ready. Kids were fed, yeah. blah, blah, blah. There was no like, oh, well, I just stayed in my bed for yeah. the rest of the day and yeah. the kids looked after themselves. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so I don't perceive that to be, to be where an issue is, yeah. you know? Um, and it's it going is, back to that idea of, as long as it's not impacting negatively on these parts right. of your life, then yeah. it, you, you know, it's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But as it's that, I think, you know, when you, you know, the, it's a, it's a measure for the individual is to say, is to sit down and say, what is it I'm looking to, you know, achieve over the next year, two, three, four, whatever it might be, or even the next few months, whatever it may be. If that's if I'm looking to achieve that and alcohol and, and nighttime and partying and whatever is taking me away from that, then it's not useful. Yeah, absolutely. But if it's not impeding me from from moving towards my goal, then there I don't feel the need to put it in that negative box. Yeah, absolutely. But I have been in that place and yeah. not even a long time ago when I yeah. sat down with Paul yeah. in therapy sessions and said, 
you know, a few of the decisions that I've made over the past wee while lead me to think that I just need to have, just need to be done with alcohol. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As Paul points out is that, you know, you, you build it up if you're trying to abstain, but you're trying to maintain relationships and friendships with yeah. those who do drink. Yeah. You're going to build yourself up to this point where eventually you go, right, okay, I'll have a couple of beers. And then you're going to go off this cliff edge and go, oh, I'm the worst, most horrible person in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. But actually, all you've done is had a few beers and enjoyed the night with your pals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that check-in process with yourself and the checks and balances. I mean, we've probably all done it. Um, you think, oh, maybe I've been drinking a bit too much over the last week or two. So therefore, consciously, you make a decision in your head, you're going to just chill out with it for a while. And that's that's perfectly acceptable. That's probably the sensible thing to do. And I think that having that check-in process with yourself and checks and balances and just, you know, making sure that you're aware of it, you know, that if you've been out, because again, working in the nighttime industry, there's always a party going on. There's always something that you can, mm -hmm. you can tap into, you know, readily available. So I think just that idea being aware of that and just always thinking to yourself, well, actually I went out two or three nights last week. I'm feeling tired. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to chill got out to, for the next week, it back, you, know? you know. Yeah, and that that again just goes back to the whole idea of balance, and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, as I say again, my mind's pulled back to the 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 early morning parties. I was on my way to Edinburgh to to, to continue my training, you know, uh, where where I was learning, and uh, I'd be on the train seven in the morning heading through to Edinburgh to go to my training course. They have boys on the phone. <laughs> go day, go day. Where are you, man? <laughs> You're maybe at this party. And I was like, I told you I was never going to be there. Yeah. I told you I was not going to be there. Yeah. I've got my training course on this weekend and I was never going to be. Oh, man, 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 man. And, you know, I guess I, where I where I was able to check in was always because I always had that idea of where I wanted to go and where I should get to. Yeah. But I, I can't not pretend that, you know, there was a good number of times Lee, who's my wife now, uh, my girlfriend at that time, would would tap me on the shoulder and say, "Party's over. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. go. We need to go. Yeah. We need to go home now yeah. because we've got stuff on on Monday. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you know what? Going for a second or third or fourth run to yeah. the shops to buy more booze. Yeah." Everything that's going to happen has happened. Yeah, here, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. so now it's time. You're to, stuck in repeat, basically. You know? yeah. and, uh, and 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 so I can't pretend that I wouldn't have stayed um if i didn't have that that partnership yeah. where lee was like right come on yeah. everything that's happened is it, that, that's going to happen has happened here it's now yeah. time to go home and sleep yeah um and at times i was like no nah, 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 i don't wait she's like well i'm going home on my own and i'm like hey, okay fine i'm yeah. coming yeah you know? yeah and at the time you know i was nagging or whatever but it's absolutely you know yeah. i've got a number of single friends and you know i wish i could have you know, I talk about this situation a lot on the podcast um, about how this this group of friends, you know, this sort of extended group of friends, and we can go out for nights and whatever. And again, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm I'm like everybody else that's grown up in Glasgow. The beers come out, then people start to think towards drugs, pills, coke, whatever. Yeah. We're not trying to pretend here uh, yeah. anything, and um, that is what it is. Uh, and then the thing that worries me in the work that I do with Brothers in Arms is that, you know, that extended group of friends that go out and then you've got the single guys that you mm. don't hear from, mm. from for like a week yeah. after that. Yeah. 
and I and I wish they would speak to me more or they would tap into the Brothers in Arms app. They may well do tap into the Brothers in Arms app, but don't tell me. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can have a worry for those who don't have somebody to lean on or don't have mm. somebody to tap them on the shoulder yeah. and remind them. Yeah. That's not where you want to go. You don't want to be the champion caner, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you want to be this. You yeah. want to do that in your career. You want to go here or there. Uh, and so, you know, I, 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 I feel certainly from my perspective that it can be more difficult for those mm. like you maybe alluded mm. to earlier who maybe they didn't have a big group of friends and yeah. so all of a sudden they feel part of this big family. Yeah. And that just takes them like an express train. Yeah. And before they know it, you know, because there's so many, you, you must have seen it over the years, so many people who could party like you wouldn't believe, still got a first class degree, yeah. still graduated from law, they still graduated as scientists, vets, whatever, and just went on their merry way. Yeah. And you go, yeah. how did that party animal <laughs> become that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think I think there's, there's like, the, the, like again, there's two sides to every coin. You see people that can almost breeze through that and do it. Uh, and you know, they obviously, they, there is a point where they, they switch off and say, right, enough's enough. Um, and that sometimes could be due to the group of people they're with or, or partners or family or whoever just saying to them, right, come on, rein it in a bit. Um, but also conversely, there's other people who I've seen over the years, I mean, 21 years working in the sub club, you're going to see a lot of stuff going on. And really, you know, you do, there, there are instances where you do see people getting sucked down into a dark place and mm -hmm. it's not nice, you know, right. and, Yep. And I think, when, I think I think the good thing though that, you know, what I always found in the sub club and, and that kind of community was when that happened, normally people would step in and say, right, come on, like, what mm -hmm. are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. it was kind of like a, a community of people that maybe looked out for each other a bit. Mental health support before it was yeah, yeah. fashionable. Like, Absolutely. Fashionable is not the right word, but, yeah. you know, before it was much more widely accepted. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I think, um, um, I mean, even... You know, an old pal that um, going back years really struggled with his mental health. Eventually, got uh, smoked a ridiculous amount of weed, mm -hmm. but eventually, you know, at, at that time, um, it was before really bipolar was even discussed yeah, as a yeah, as a yeah. condition. But I, I used to say that uh, this particular guy was manic. You know, I would because mm -hmm. he would be up there one day mm -hmm. and he would be down there the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, eventually, after a long period of time, he did get diagnosed as being bipolar. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, though, he ended up, he battled with it for, for many years, but then he ended up taking his own life, unfortunately, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that then subsequently, um, I don't know, I mean, there was another guy who was a good friend, mutual friend of ours as well. And three months later, he took his own life. And, I, you know, I believe that sometimes it, what it happens like that in clusters, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if like mm -hmm. somebody does it, then it almost like, Aye, it almost, like almost like somebody who effect. else is struggling maybe thinks, oh, well, that's a way out, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which is really sad, you know. It's it's brutal. And, you know, it's, it's why we keep getting back in this room and keep talking about it to say that there is manage, there's ways to manage it that nobody else needs to know about. Yeah. That have not got the shame attached to it, the the sense of oh well if i ask for help i'm failing in some way yeah um you know and that is the brothers in arms app and um 
the, the, but it's just as it, you know it, it can feel like the biggest hurdle in the world impossible hurdle to yeah. get over to, yeah. to speak to a friend or say to somebody look this is this is the this is the tough stuff and yeah. certainly you know i sometimes um i'm guilty of because of my job and because of my general demeanor i'm too busy i'm too quick to big up the positive and not be able to sit with with the difficult yeah or or the hard yeah you know yeah um and so instead of saying well look you sound really like down and depressed about this i'm like oh but you've got yeah, yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. you're doing this this and this yeah. that's amazing yeah and it's kind of almost like dismissive of that and there's something that's obviously a thing that i need to sort of work on but mm. you know um I've the feeling of having like these guys who are close to you actually mm. you know actually committing suicide yeah. and being like yeah could i have done more yeah, should i have done more think you know, of all these like things you know sitting with yeah. that at night yeah and when you're on your own and when you're in a yeah. quiet space and being like was it something to do with me yeah should i have done more should i have been a better yeah. friend should yeah. i have you know yeah um, i mean i think the you know that affects everybody that way when something like that happens you know everybody has the same reaction you know and i, I guess i guess it's it's one of these things about uh, you know that <laughs> everybody probably suffers from mental health at some yeah, point absolutely. or another you know it's absolutely. not it's not the big taboo i don't think that it was you know yeah. even 10 years ago yeah. um and at that time i you know i i tried to get him to go and get help um try mm -hmm. to speak to his doctor and he did he, you know a couple of times he would go to his gp but that that kind of um support and help i mean you're going back maybe 25 years mm -hmm. here it wasn't the same as it is now. You Absolutely. didn't have that yeah. kind of, you know, places that you could maybe go and discuss yeah. these things. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of, and he he was brought up in a family, a very, you know, strong family. We, mm -hmm. You know, his dad was a very kind of uh, strong, <coughs> West, typical West yeah. of Scotland male kind of guy. And, you know, he kind of, although he kind of got to the point where he, he, he actually got the diagnosis, he just obviously struggled too much from there on in and then mm -hmm. i think that you know they had a couple of really kind of unfortunate things that happened after that to him as well and mm -hmm. like just life uh incidents just, yeah. and he, he, i think ultimately he just couldn't cope with it you know um which is you know it's just when it happens i mean i, I i'll never forget getting phone calls like one in the morning mm -hmm. a friend of mine phoned and just said this has happened and i remember i turned around to my girlfriend and i just said I've been waiting for that call for 25 years mm -hmm. and waiting for that call, yeah. just yeah. waiting for it, you know, because yeah. I, I kind of, at the back of my head, I kind of always felt that's, that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter what I tried to do to help, mm -hmm. it just kind of felt almost like inevitable, which, mm -hmm. you know, put me in a bit of a downer for a long time. Of course, man. Um, because you feel a bit helpless, you know, that, yeah. that, that despite your best efforts and everything you still couldn't prevent that happening you know yeah it's i think it's entirely valid that we that we feel that you know because indeed if one of my close friends you know because I, I i've gone on and on about it and one of these close friends if ever god forbid you know that that that, that happened i would I, i'd be asking these questions myself mm. i would be saying why didn't i go chap the door i would mm. be saying you know but you have to understand that to a certain point that 
can only offer help. Yeah. Yeah. And if the person is not in a position to be able to accept that help for whatever reason, then, you know, you, you've at least tried to do something, you know? Yeah. But, um, and, that, uh, uh, and even, that, yeah. as I say, just like being able to even, like, I don't think there's enough, and I've just said it myself, but I, I actively seek out and will go, there's one person in particular who, you know, I see, and I'm like, let's catch a coffee, man. Just mm. come and offload with me for a wee bit, man. Yeah, just come yeah, and yeah. just yeah. come and offload, man. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will, yeah. I will. I kind of feel like I know he won't. Yeah, but yeah. it's like in the, in the moment, you that know. Um, but we need to be able to, as 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 guys, as friends, as whatever you know the the surrounding or the setting might be, we need to be able to sit with our mates and in it to be okay to be shit yeah yeah for it to be okay to be yeah. a bit crap yeah. and like as i say my natural reaction is what i've just talked about but to be like right okay tell me tell mm. me what's so shit yeah tell me why it's so shit yeah. you know yeah and uh, like i said this friend of mine who i had the conversation with a couple of weeks ago i was like i don't want to be part of if, if what you're telling me is true that this feels really wrong to you and this is bringing you down in some way I don't want to be part of that ecosystem. I don't want to be yeah. part of that 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 thing that's yeah, making, that's you, making feel, you feel like I that. I want to be yeah. part of the thing because we've been pals for 25 years. Mm. You know, I don't want to be part of that down thing. I want to be part of the up thing, the yeah. thing that, that takes you away from that. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, just like being able to sit with your own shit and, I, you know, I'm not good at it. I, I know I'm not good at it. And that's why I always try and kind of make myself so busy, mm. you know, yeah. uh, doing different things. Yeah. Because I think you know, probably you're the same as me. I, I, you know, I'm probably a bit the same as well. I've, you know, I always try and look at the positives. Always, always, always. But that sometimes means that I don't deal with the stuff that's maybe really bothering me, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. trying to maybe ignore it. And one thing that I've found that's helped a lot, actually, um was just at the start of lockdown um basically went from the, the high of thinking that in the previous company not panther milk but in the previous company that i was working mm -hmm. for um we'd just been in singapore at the they were just coming out their first lockdown mm -hmm. and covid was just a news story here mm -hmm. and our major investor uh was based in singapore expat Glaswegian guy and we would we'd been over there Basically, he'd agreed a, a million pounds investment. So we were all celebrating on the plane back. Yep. Literally nine days later, we were in lockdown. Um, the due diligence hadn't been completed on the investment. They obviously naturally get cold feet because all our mm. customers were in hospitality. Yeah. And withdrew the offer of investment. And that meant like two weeks after that, every day, 14 people in the Glasgow office all made redundant. Now, I was that was my fifth. That was like two months before my 50th birthday yeah and I was thinking to myself what am I going to do like yeah. what am yeah. I going to do so it was scary time it was man. a scary time a very scary time because I'd been at that company for seven years previous to that when I owned the sub club I was kind of my you know my own boss and in control of my own destiny and then I felt like all of a sudden I just felt like a bit alone and a bit like you know, what am I going to do? I've given seven years service to this company. It's just disappeared, it went down the tubes. 
what am I going to do now? You know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I had a wee period. I was very, very fortunate actually because a couple of years ago, a couple of years before that, sorry, I'd taken out income protection insurance because I was a wee bit worried about my, my situation. So that allowed me a full year, 75% of my salary, and it just gave me a bit of breathing space. Now, yeah. I, I, really, I know that I'm so fortunate that I had that, and a lot of people don't. It's um, funny you mention, actually, Paul, because it's one of the things that keeps popping up on my social media. Mm. Are you a dad who's, and it's obviously that these algorithms are so specific. Yeah, now. yeah. Are you a father who's 35 and you don't have <laughs> life cover, yeah. you don't have protection, yeah. whatever. And fortunately enough, we've got um, a great woman, Donna Melrose, who does all this, our stuff. And she's like, look, you're paying that for your cover. Your wife's paying that for that cover. Let's get this together and make it more comprehensive so that it's watertight. Yeah. But yeah, the, the other thing, the, the really big point there is that probably didn't feel like that much for you paying that up paying that insurance. I didn't know I mean the first year I, I hardly even noticed it to be yeah. honest the second yeah. year the premium went up and I can remember thinking oh this is what oh, this is a wee bit tasty now it, uh -huh. was, it went up from like 60 pound to 100 pound uh -huh. I thought that's a really big leap and uh -huh. but my god I'm yeah. so glad now that I, I didn't it, cancel it, it. <laughs> so yeah there's a there's a uh, there's a brothers in arms uh, top tip is yeah uh, definitely uh, look into I think that they, they've done away with all these uh, particular policies now though because uh, of covid i was fortunate yep. that that was before covid was yep. a thing and it covered me but what what i think the breathing the breathing space that it allowed me allowed me to reflect a wee bit on my life and just like where i wanted to go next so one of the things my sister's a yoga teacher and she does meditation and all mm -hmm. that kind of mm -hmm. thing so i started doing yoga and um, she was doing like, you know, the kind of video classes mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing that maybe two or three mornings a week. And then through that, I started getting into the meditation side because she would always finish with Hi. Savasana yep. and yep. a bit of meditation. And um, I got the yeah, the app Headspace. Um, Perfect, and man. I got, I, I really got into meditation and I, I now meditate every day. And when I don't meditate for a day, I, I feel a wee bit like... Yep. Well, in fact, do you know what I mean? I sometimes, and sometimes I just forget to do it, but most days, nearly every day, mm -hmm. I, I meditate. Yeah. But I, I think, I think, just going back to what I talked about before, what the meditations allowed me to do is deal with some of the uncomfortable feelings that I get without just trying to ignore them or, yep. you know, just let them rise up and give mm -hmm. them a wee bit of, you know, a wee bit of an airing. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. If that, absolutely. If that makes Again, sense. Again, Paul is a big advocate for, you know, um, breathing techniques. Uh, this is Paul Shields, our producer and therapist uh, who helps out Brothers in Arms. Uh, he is in the room, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just getting into that space and being able to say, okay, here is something. I don't necessarily have to do anything about it right now, but here's something keeps coming back and keeps coming up then mm. then maybe i maybe i will take some action in doing something to change that difficult yeah thought yeah absolutely. Or, or feeling or yeah. situation yeah um and it's just giving yourself i mean my, space for vacancy yeah it's, absolutely it's so important i think because i mean my head my brain is going you know a ridiculous amount of knots a lot of the day mm -hmm. and see just having that I do, I do it most mornings and i try and do it in the afternoon and I just have like, you normally in the morning, it's 10, 15 minutes. And it's just like, cause I, I know, I don't know if you're the same, but Gary, but I, I wake up 
normally five o'clock in the morning and I wake up in mid thought about something, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm thinking, I've not done that. I need to do that. And I need to do this. Yeah. I need to do that. Yeah. And straight away, you know, and my girlfriend hates me for it. You know, she's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to get back to sleep. It's mm -hmm. five in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm like, as soon as I kind of wake up like that, I know I'm gone. I can't yeah. get back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I normally just get up and meditate. Yeah. And um, Perfect. I, I basically get up and I'll spend 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I just find that really quiet moment before everything started the phone's mm -hmm. going or emails are coming in yeah, yeah. it's just really it just sets me up for the day you know right. it really does yeah um and if i can find a wee bit late in the afternoon just a 10 minutes again mm -hmm. i try and do it you know four four o'clock ish every day yeah um and just having right. that that it, I, I you know it now it kind of was a bit funny at the start because i've kind of felt I, I was forcing it now i really look forward to those mm -hmm. moments so again it's just that pattern you know, and being able to just make it a habit until, you know, you've broken it to being a habit and then you miss it. Like mm. so many people, like when it comes to exercise, never get to that part. Yeah. You know, and they never get to that part. They're always in the building phase yeah. of getting to established habit. Yeah. And they give up before it really feels good to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, and that's why they have this. That's how we have yo-yo dieting and everything and blah, blah, blah. Says uh, the personal trainer who's not invested shape of uh, his <laughs> life uh funny 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 aside uh i shared a photo on facebook um and uh it was a picture of me doing a, one of these challenges that i did a, a while back and um my client uh my 6 a.m client is absolutely no nonsense and i showed her i said oh do you know it was she used to live right next to these greek thompson 60 steps all right uh, yeah. just off queen margaret yeah, drive are, yeah. and so once i ran up and down them a hundred times um six thousand steps and um, I showed her the picture and she was like, oh, I, she says, you need to get that on your wall uh, as your motivation picture. You know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, you don't have that belly there, do you? So, you know, there's only honesty you know, and no messing. So uh, thanks to uh, the person who knows who they are. Um, yeah. But it's just, it was just a bit of an aside. Yeah. Uh, but I think, go, I mean, that, that uh, I mean, really, I suppose exercise and doing you know exercise and sport or any kind of sport is a bit like meditation as well i know a it lot of people absolutely that swear is. by that you know because all you're doing is you're kind of focusing on that one thing yep. switching your your mind off from everything else yep and yep. it gives you a wee bit of, you know you're obviously you're exercising which mm -hmm. is great but you're also your mind is just yeah. focused yep. on one thing yep. and not lots and lots of different things at one time i am um, so so i'll ask you a question paul and then i'll come back to a point that i wanted to make but um in terms of yourself uh have you um had any thought or suspicion about these types of things like adhd add and how they maybe relate to yourself or anything like that at all over the years i guess i am i you know i, I suppose i have in some ways because um or as or you know yeah, has anybody observed you and said oh you've definitely got no, I, I don't think it, well, I'm, 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 I'm laughing because apart from the usual kind of quips you get off your partner and stuff like that, it goes, you're, you're not right, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but not in any specific way relating it to a condition or anything, I don't okay. think, you know, but I mean, sometimes I do think myself. Um, how, how, how did, uh, how did school go for you? School, I wasn't a massive fan of school in the early kind of years the first you know first three four years um i had a big brother who was a bit of a naughty boy 
And when I went to school, all the younger brothers of the big painted. brothers. Oh, man. Hey, they, they now wanted you're making to be me my feel pal. guilty. This is, uh, you know, I've been mean to get my two brothers to come on the podcast, but they'll always say, oh, it was your reputation that made it feel hard for us <laughs> at school, man. I'm the oldest of the three. So, <laughs> so that, that kind of meant that maybe I didn't pick the best group of pals at first at school mm -hmm. and I left a lot of my, my good pals from primary school mm -hmm. but then what happened I suppose so I get into various bits of bother and scrapes and stuff like that and I, I didn't really you know academically I, I was okay but I, I felt I did, I did find my I'm a bit of a dreamer and I did find my mind wandering a lot. You know, I'd be mm. one of the kids that would be staring outside quite a lot. And, it's very, very interesting, man. Very, very interesting. Um, and I guess up until fourth year, that was a bit of a problem. Then I managed to knuckle down and do all right in my old grades at the time. And then mm. I decided I was going to stay on. And when I decided I was going to stay on, all the kind of ne'er-do-wells that had been hanging about we left pretty much. This is almost and like a carbon copy story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of my story you know, <laughs> that, uh, really <laughs> genuinely mate yeah um, um and i guess I, I i then went back to the old primary school pals that i had who were all really good guys and mm -hmm. um hung about with them in fifth and sixth year and managed to get some hires and it's and very, very interesting yep yep that's it I, I i i've i've got an almost carbon copy um as I say, just relating because I, you know, a lot of what you're saying I relate to in terms of the kind of keeping your mind going, always being busy, always having another task, having that kind of dreaming and whatever. Um, a number of episodes ago, we had um, a woman on called Geraldine Miners, and she is the head of the ADHD Society for Scotland. She was a client of mine, and she's like, you, you know, you probably do have ADHD, Gary, don't you? But what's really good about it is that you've found a job that it suits and, yeah. and a way of working that that suits so like I, i'm fairly convinced i do have it yeah but i'm not interested in being diagnosed because it having a diagnosis doesn't necessarily wouldn't add anything yeah you know yeah. it would maybe make me go ah okay so the subjects that said I was just being a wee shit, I wasn't, I was just not interested. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, the subjects that I did enjoy, I did fine in, yeah, you know, and I yeah, did well in. And, yeah, yeah. and this, you know, the speaking that I've been doing since I was, you know, young, young, uh, I've always enjoyed and that sort of thing. So it's just, it's just interesting to, to hear about people's different um, experiences. And I'm probably, you know, it was a wee bit, you know, now we're getting to understanding things like ADD, attention deficit disorder, ADHD, identity yeah. deficit, hyperactivity disorder, these sorts of things where before children were just called naughty, naughty kids, yeah. disruptive, Absolutely. whatever it was. When yeah. actually all it was was they needed to learn in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but to come back to your point about the meditation, um, I spent a wee bit of time last week doing Ben Nevis with a group of youngsters and a lot of them have got these have been diagnosed with ADHD, ADD, blah, blah, blah. Um, different learning challenges. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll call them. People can correct me on what the correct terminology is later on, but I'll say learning challenges. Anyway, um, one of the boys, uh, who I summited first with, um, is, is one of those who I've heard in the past say, oh, I can't do that. I've got ADHD. Right. Um, but we got to the top of the hill, the hill being Ben Nevis. <laughs> um, Big hill. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we waited 
everybody else came up and then he wanted to run back down. So I said, cool, let's go, we'll run down. Now, for somebody who, like if you're in in, in a setting with them, finds it difficult to sit sit still, yeah. finds it difficult to like maintain eye contact and concentration, things like that. For somebody like that, for me to observe him mm. in front of me running down a hill and being 100% in that moment and not distracted by any other thing, mm. I've said it already to mm. a number of people, that was like meditation for him. Yeah. That was like him allowing his mind to be at peace for that period of time where he was making those little calculations as he was running downhill yeah. and where's my foot go next and what's the next corner or whatever. And absolutely that was like probably an experience of a meditative experience yeah. for him yeah. because his mind was fully focused on the task at hand Yeah, and he was doing something that before then he didn't know he could do yeah. really really well yeah and when i started to tell him that like you could be a fail runner and he's like what's a fail runner and i said well it's like guys who run down mountains really fast and he's like oh brilliant man people do that as a sport blah 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 and it was just yeah it was just a really pertinent point that it might not be you know because a hundred people that i've met you know however many um say i could never meditate mm. my mind's too mm. active my mm. blah 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 yeah find the thing yeah. that brings you to yeah. the meditative state yeah you know yeah, well, whether it's running down a hill yeah. or sitting yeah. in quiet listening yeah. to your breathing or immersing yourself in cold water or whatever find the thing that allows you to yeah let your mind be still for a, yeah. for, a, for a little bit you know yeah um, and that can, uh, as we said, that could be a sport as well. It could be a, you know, even a, even just, you know, I've, I, again, this year I've started reading a lot more. I'm just seeing mm. that yeah. again every night. I'll try and read before I go to sleep. Yep. And I, I find that really helps me go to sleep because previously. And then you need to go back four pages when you wake up the next day. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the very same. Absolutely. What was that again? What was going on? Yeah. But that yeah. just, that, that process as well of unwinding and switching yourself off because again when you run your own business and you do your own thing you're constantly thinking about it so actually just having a wee bit of discipline to say right i'm going to go to bed now i'm going to read my book mm -hmm. and I, i'm when i read my book i'm thinking about everything that's going on in the book and i'm not thinking about you know yeah finance new opportunities whatever yeah. it is yeah. i'm switching off from it and by the time I'm on to the fourth page, forgetting what I'm reading and dr drift, almost drifting off to sleep. And Perfect. It, you know, I've got I've got probably uh, like two or three books that I couldn't really tell you much about the detail, but the I've gotten I've gotten from the start to the finish before like I go to sleep. I I do read um uh, quite a bit on on iBooks and my phone as well. Uh, a number of books that I couldn't tell you much of detail about, yeah. but has helped me get to sleep, yeah. you know, lots yeah. of nights. Um, so yeah, yeah, as you say, just finding anything. And it could be anything, it could be a game, it could be even just watching a movie sometimes mm -hmm. as well, you know, it's yeah. just like Absolutely. switch off, just switch off totally from that totally. and that's all you're, you're kind of focused Good. on. We've probably got maybe 10 minutes left, Paul, so I wanted to, um, you know, Lots of people know you around Glasgow as the sub club guy, you know, and, and all about the nighttime industries, but you've spent your last couple of years, few years focusing on Panther Milk and some people will know you as that guy from Dragon's Den now. So yeah. I don't know, maybe if you want to chat a wee five minutes about yeah. the Dragon's Den situation, that journey, the ups and downs of that. Sure, yeah. So basically it wasn't anything that I'd ever thought I would do, to be honest, the Dragon's Den. It kind of 
it was an opportunity that arose. So I'd, you know, if we go back to the previous conversation about, you know, feel, being in a bit of a spot, <laughs> 50 years old, what am I going to do? And I'd always had the idea, I mean, when I left the sub club, I wanted to kind of keep my toe in the water, if you like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when, when we owned the sub club, we used to go to Barcelona all the time, the Sonar Music Festival. And that's where we discovered this milky, boozy concoction called Leche de Pantera over there that sell kind of wine, wine bottles in the, the Gothic Quarter and mm -hmm. stuff, just in a select few bars. It's almost dying away. It's quite sad, actually. Oh, maybe two or three bars sell it now. But, um, but basically, myself and Harry and my girlfriend and various other people, friends, all discovered this drink, started telling everyone about it. And then the, the previous year went back to the same bar. There was maybe about 30 Glaswegians in it, all drinking it. So <laughs> the word started spreading. The third year, there was even more. The bar was almost full. So I was kind of like, right, I'm going to... I'm going to bring this back to Glasgow. It's sweet and milky and boozy, so people will probably like it. <laughs> Glasgow so, tech. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, my mate Fergus had bought the old bar 10 at the time, and uh, it, there was this wee kind of secret space, if you like, at the back almost. And uh, he asked me what I thought about it, and I thought, I've got the perfect thing for that. It's going to be the, we could sell panther milk out of there and do the panther mm -hmm. milk bar. So... <laughs> And remember basically, it well, man. Remember <laughs> it well. So basically, we launched that, and it just really—it it was meant to be just a pop-up three months, but it just blew us all away how popular it became, and so it ended up lasting the full four and a half years till Fergus sold the place and sold out every week. Vice magazine done a feature on mm -hmm. it. It was just a bit crazy, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. so when the when the redundancy happened, I thought. I'd always had this idea of maybe trying to take that on and develop it into an actual proper drinks brand. Mm -hmm. So I started going down that path and I, I would actually I sought out a bit of investment because I was going to do a crowdfunding campaign. And then this email would just popped in through the website from BBC um, Dragons then saying, would you be interested? And at first I got back to this guy's name is Rob. And uh, get back to him saying, sorry, no, and I'm not interested. I'm already going down the crowdfunding route. And then he get back and said, oh, by the way, I remember, uh, sub, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn sub club, I used to go to sub club every week from Aberdeen originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of hooked me in that way. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was like just 15 minutes conversation on the phone. So I spoke to the guy, really nice guy, kind of convinced me into maybe just submitting some stuff to him. So I went and spoke to friends and family, girlfriend, all that kind of stuff about, you know, what, what do you think? And then yeah, it was a bit of a split decision, to be honest. Some people were like, no, just continue the way you are. And some people were like, no, this is a good opportunity to, to, to bypass. Mm -hmm. So funnily enough, I was, I was reading Alex Ferguson's biography at the time and he had this wee quote in it that said, if an opportunity presents itself to you, grab it with both hands, you know? And I was kind of like, oh. So I, I ended up deciding to do it. And uh, kept getting through the various stages. They'd done a video audition, all that kind of thing. Got through all that. And then uh, they invited me down to go and pitch to the Dragons, you know. So <laughs> that was a bit of an experience in itself mm -hmm. because a lot of people, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know. So I I, I was told to be there for midday. Uh, drove down from Glasgow, left Glasgow six in the morning or something. Got down there nice and early, had a bit of breakfast. And went there for half 11 in the morning but i didn't pitch till half eight at night so i was waiting there wow. for pretty much yeah. eight hours um yeah. which you know 
if it hadn't been for my meditation, I don't know, I would have probably went on half squished on the panther milk, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. But I'd kept meditating throughout the day. And I, I mean, it was, you know, it's quite a, it's quite an intimidating thing, obviously, mm -hmm. you're doing mm -hmm. anyway. So I definitely think if uh, the meditation helped me a lot through that process. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I got obviously half eight at night. I think it's because it's booze. They, they always want them to go last booze brands. Mm -hmm. And then obviously went and done the pitch and, and you know, as people watched the show, they would have seen that. Um, you, you basically got the investment. I got the, right? I got off yeah. of the investment from Deborah Meaden. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, um, the two dragons that I was interested in were Deborah Meaden and Stephen Bartlett. Um, and I kind of messed up a question that Stephen Bartlett asked me. Actually, I said, "What's your marketing strategy?" And I'd re I knew he would ask me that and rehearse the the answer, but my mm. my brain just chunked and I couldn't mm. <laughs> couldn't yeah. remember. And I started waffling about influencers and festivals and a lot of right, absolute right. nonsense. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually, Deborah saved my bushes by coming in with an offer. But mm. um, but subsequently. In, uh, in the, the due diligence, I decided not to accept her offer. Mm -hmm. um, and I went and raised my own investment instead. Um, and I think you, you know, without giving too much detail away, you you and I had had a conversation a few weeks back where you said, actually just, you know, the, the contacts that came from that aye. and the people that became interested because they seen you on that platform. Which is exactly the um, reason why know, i done it, was just uh, for the exposure for the brand. Yeah, to get that, and it's amazing, awesome to hear, man. amazing the doors that's opened. And she's been great, I've got to say, Deborah Meaden's been great. We're still in touch, mm -hmm. she's still introducing me to people, still helping Fantastic, me out. Man. She's been wonderful. That's all it's about, man, isn't it? It yeah. always comes back to relationships, no matter what, where you are and what, what you're in relationships man isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely always... and I, you know I, I think that's that stood me in good stead was when i was at the sub club i always tried to look after everybody that came in there and make sure they had a good time and that's been repaid to me tenfold probably over the years you know absolutely um so i think that's quite quite a yeah. good way to probably end it absolutely know? yeah like... no i think you're exactly right and again it chimes so true with me clients that i've worked with over the years who have gone and done their own thing or have gone and whatever and like i'll still pick up the phone to them and go oh, by the way um such and such asked about this is it something that your business would be interested in or or somebody needs this thing you just keep connecting people all yeah. the time yeah and and you just build your, your your village your web your whatever and and then you know ultimately if you do have tough times you've got that web mm. that actually they'll support you as well, you know, and, and actually, as you say, it's, uh, absolutely. it's the perfect little thoughts to yeah. end on, you know, yeah, but absolutely. listen, Paul, we could have, of course, gone on for, for another <laughs> hour, but look, um, thanks very much for coming and, uh, yeah, really look forward to getting your podcast episode. Out. Right. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks. All mate. the best. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Hi folks. Thanks for listening to our brothers in arms podcast. The reason we do the podcast is to normalise the conversation around men's mental health. We have fantastic resources on our website, brothersinarmsscotland.co.uk, which you can access or point any man in need towards. These include our online platform, MenGage, our Brothers in Arms Thrive app, where you can access our free therapy services and much, much more. If what we've talked about on the podcast today has resonated with you and you've enjoyed listening, please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And remember to share with friends and on social media. Thanks for listening.